I'll open with a little poll. So I'll, I'll take a quick poll. Uh, what's more likely to kill you? What's more likely to kill you? Six alcoholic drinks a day, obesity, smoking 15 cigarettes a day, or loneliness? Yeah, because it's the intro to a sermon and you're in a church. You know. <laughs> I mean, he's not literally going to preach against smoking, is he? No. Uh, loneliness. So this is what scientists have been studying, and not just scientists, but more specifically, the Surgeon General of the United States uh, did a study, and then the report is called Our Epidemic of Loneliness and Isolation. You can access it online and read all the details. I'll give you a few highlights. It's even before COVID-19, about half of the United States adults reported experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. They attribute it to things like, you know, we change jobs more often, we move more often, we're living with technology in ways that has profoundly changed how we interact with each other and how we talk to each other. They highlight in the report that you can feel lonely even if you have a lot of people around you because loneliness is about the quality of your connections. It even goes so far as to say, or our Surgeon General does, that in the U.S. Uh, participation in community groups such as faith groups has declined in recent decades, and he attributes the epidemic partially to that. So it's not just the Bible, and it's not just church, it's not just your pastor who are saying, like, we have a problem we need to solve. It's even the Surgeon General of the United States is saying, there's a problem we need to solve. And even the Surgeon General of the United States is saying, here's a solution for you faith groups that gather together and connect in community. The church in this supernatural community is the solution to a problem that exists in the world today. What I want us to do for us this morning is I want us to take a couple of snapshots of what community can look like. This is our, our fourth sermon in a series that we're going through just to kick off the year with a focus on community. And in this final sermon, I just want us to be a bit inspired at what community has looked like in the past, what it will like in the, look like in the future, and what it can look like even right now in the midst of the brokenness of our world. So we want to paint a picture of community together. I want to use some paintings and some pictures as an illustration. So I went online and, and gathered together some pictures. They're going to scroll over my shoulder here to remind us of what uh, paintings can do for us, right? Art is designed to fill us with inspiration and hope. It's designed to help us see the world as it can be, maybe as it was or as it should be. So art, like the ones you're seeing over my shoulder, they fill our minds with imagination and an inspiration that help us move hopefully from discouragement to encouragement as we consider the world as it was or as it could be. Now, we don't have... Uh, a picture to show you the Garden of Eden. Now, to be fair, I can find those online, but like generally we try to make this G-rated, so I didn't put up those paintings. Um, thank you. Um, but we're going to paint a picture in our imagination of Eden, of Eden, community in the Garden of Eden on the first pages of our Bible. If you turn on the first page of your Bible to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, you're going to read these words, in the beginning, God... In the beginning, God. So very beginning of our Bibles, 
That's what we see. Before anything was created in all the world, God existed. He's existent in eternity past, will exist into eternity future. Why is that relevant to us at the start? It's because there's an important doctrine of Christianity that is the Trinity. And that is that God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That there are three persons to the Godhead. And that's relevant to us in that God himself exists in community. And that's right at the beginning, in the beginning, God. So in the beginning, there was this community amongst the Godhead. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Let us make man in our image. And for thousands of years, theologians and Bible scholars have been getting together to try to understand, the answer the question, well, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? It means so many things. One of which is, it means that we were created from community and for community and in the image of community. And so as the creation account unfolds in between Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, we have the account of uh, Adam and Eve and their creation. I don't know, I have a little bit of sound problems, but we'll push through them together. Uh, Adam and Eve are created, Adam's created first. And in Genesis chapter 2, we read these words, it is not good for man to be alone. So we see in the Garden of Eden this picture of community that we're painting for ourselves. It has God present there and it has human beings present there. And at first there was just one person in the painting and God said that's not a good picture of community. There has to be more human beings. And so he creates woman and then there's man and there's woman together. And he tells them in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So as you step back and you look at this painting in your imagination of what God has created, you have God present there. He's in community with Adam and Eve. They're walking together in the garden. They're interacting with one another. They're talking to one another. And then you have Adam and Eve together, and the design is that they would have children, and their children would have children, and their children would have children, and the world would begin to fill with reflections of the image of God, and it would just be flourishing, vibrant community throughout all the world, this paradise. That's the picture that God was trying to paint, but we rejected it, and sin corrupted it. There was this beautiful piece of art and sin corrupted it. I had art on my mind as I was preparing the sermon, so I, I was reading about different pieces of art, and I came across this interesting story. There's this church in Spain called the Sanctuary of Mercy Church in Spain. And in 1930, a gentleman painted a picture of Jesus on that wall in that church. We have a picture of that portrait of Jesus that he painted. And so if you worshipped in that church in 1930, he painted that. So Walk with me through this illustration. It's like God painted a beautiful picture. But sometimes sin breaks things down. And so in a very real sense, over time, sin broke down that painting. You know what happens whenever human beings say, you know what, sin's broken something. But you know what, I'm just going to fix it myself. I'll fix it myself. We have a visual illustration of what it looks like, of what happens when we try to fix it ourselves. So this is a true story. So in recent years, a church member, you can put them up side by side, looked at the painting of Jesus and said, it's deteriorating. Sin is deteriorating the picture. Please allow me to restore it. So the, the father priest of the parish said, okay, you can read the story online. Uh, the, the woman who, who did this 
to be fair to her, in her interview, she says, listen, I'm not done. I wasn't done. I started, and then I went away on vacation for two weeks, and then I was going to come back and finish it. But when she came back after two weeks, it was already national news. Like, national news picked up the story and said, look at what has been done. Um, And then it became trending, and now tourism in the city spiked. And so they're getting like 10 times the amount of tourists they ever had before. And so now that's what's there, and people come and travel to see it. To me, it's, it's humorous, and maybe it's memorable, and it's an illustration of how sin breaks things. It Sin broke community, our community with God and our community with one another. And we can fix it ourselves, or we can allow God to fix it. We can pursue his path. And as we live in the midst of this brokenness, broken relationship with God, broken relationship with one another, it says, St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. We want community. We're lonely. We want restoration. And we can't fix it on our own. Scriptures give us a picture of what it, it did look like. And scripture also gives us a picture of what it will look like in the future. So I want to flip there. I want to flip to the back of our Bibles all the way to the last page. So we're going to read the first page of our Bible this morning. And we're going to read from the last page of our Bible this morning to see two different pictures of community, how God intended it to be. And so in Genesis 21 to 22, specifically Genesis 21 verse 3, we have this picture of heaven that's being painted for us for our imaginations. And God is there. Revelation 21 3, it says this, the dwelling place of God is with men. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And so just as it was in the Garden of Eden, again in the future, it will be. God will be there. And human beings will have this restored relationship with God. They will be in community with God. It says in Revelation 22, 3 to 4, No longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face. So it's just like it was in Eden. I think Adam and Eve walked in the garden in the cool of the day with God face to face. They had community with God, which got broken. But there will be a day in the future where again we will be with him face to face. Community between human beings is restored as well. In Revelation 21, verse 4, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more, neither will there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. All those ways that we can hurt one another, all those ways I can make you cry, and you can hurt my feelings, and I can offend you, and you can offend me, those those. Those things are gone. That's how the world used to be. The sin, the curse of sin has been lifted, and now human beings exist in community together. It says in Revelation 22, verse 2, that you have this tree of life, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And so the nations are there. There's different languages and tribes and nations all gathered together into this heavenly community, and we're healing together in our relationships with one another. The leaves of the tree will heal us. And community will finally fill the earth. Just as God said he wanted it to be back in the Garden of Eden on page one, he said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with community. But that got broken. But in the end, he will fill this earth with 
community, people who have community with God and with other human beings. I hope you can see the picture. The whole world renewed. There's a holy city of Jerusalem. There's a throne of God. There's a river of life. There's a tree of life. Everywhere you look, there's vibrant, flourishing community. It was John Martin who tried to paint a picture of that. We have a, we flashed it before you for a moment before. It's called the Plains of Heaven. So the artist John Martin, directly from Revelation chapter 21 and 22, decided to try and do his best to paint what it might look like. You can't see it because of the way it's being presented on the screens, but if you were able to look at it in person, you'd see in the white mist in the corner, you'd see the faint outlines of the city of God. And he's trying to capture the new heavens and the new earth and the beauty that is present there. And you know what I think all of the artists were trying to do from Van Gogh to Norman Rockwell to Kandinsky? I think all of them have, huma- have eternity in their hearts. I know that from the book of Ecclesiastes. Eternity has been placed in the heart of every human. And so all of us have this aching in our heart for eternity. And we've all been created in the image of God. And so artists, on their best days, they sit down at that canvas and they try to help us have a picture of what the best of community could look like. And so we have paintings like Ernie Barnes of the Solid Rock Congregation. With eternity in his heart, he paints a picture. That's what it should be. That's what worship should be. And maybe that's what it might look like when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing it will be. I think it's at the heart of Norman Rockwell's famous painting of Thanksgiving. When we all get to heaven, there will be community. There will be fellowship. There will be a feast. So I think each of these artists are trying to do what is impossible to do. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. As much as we tried and hopefully we continue to try, human beings have not yet been able to capture in their imaginations how wonderful heaven will be. I did two funerals this week, one on Monday and one on Friday. Both uh, are Christian men who lived uh, long lives and had family gather around at their funerals to remember their heritage and their legacy. Here's just a tip. If you do two funerals in a week, take a real close look at your notes when you go into your second funeral so that perhaps in your closing prayer you don't refer to the deceased by the wrong name. So that can be embarrassing. Um, But it's all right. What can we do, you know, other than smile about it later? Um, At both funerals, I highlighted the fact that we should all be eager in anticipating heaven. I don't get very excited about heaven for streets of gold. I know there's a mansion, there's rooms in a mansion that's prepared for me there. There's these gates of the city are emerald, gems, and jewels, and none of that really inspires me. But what does excite me about heaven, I, th- I think it's because I was hardwired that way in my spiritual DNA, just like you, is community. What I'm eager for in heaven is to walk and talk with Jesus. You want to know why? Because if I'm walking and talking with Jesus, if I'm seeing God face to face, you know what that means? It means that the curse has been lifted. 
means that there's no sin present there. That means there's no injustice, there's no evil, there's no sin, there's no brokenness. And so in that environment, that's what I'm eager for, is for cancer to be gone, for abuse to be ended, and for there to be justice and peace between me and Jesus and all those around me. It's community that gets me excited about heaven with Jesus and with those who have gone before us, with all of the saints that gather there. It's because we were created in the image of God from community and for community. It's what inspires our art. It's what motivates us and it makes us dream about heaven. And hopefully we can connect the dots and see it's what we can just create a foretaste of right here and now. And so I have one last picture of community to paint for you. And that comes from Acts chapter 2. So let me, let me paint the scene for you before we read it from Scripture. Jesus has died on the cross and he's risen from the dead. He's ascended up to heaven to be with the Father. And his disciples have gathered around and they're in Jerusalem sitting in a room, not quite sure exactly what they're supposed to do next. And then Scripture says that a mighty rushing wind bursts into the room and what appeared to be something like flames of fire started levitating over people's heads. And we're told that it's the Spirit of God that, brushed, that rushed into that room and filled people and then they busted out of the walls of that room out into the city and they began telling people the good news about Jesus Christ. And the world hasn't been the same since. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47 is a summary of what happened after the Holy Spirit descended upon them. And it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved." In this picture of community that's painted for us in Acts chapter 2, we see that the people in the painting are devoted to the apostles' teaching. They're devoted to learning as much as they can about who God is and what he has done. They're devoted to community. They're devoted to fellowship with one another. They're devoted to the breaking of bread, which we understand to be communion. They're devoted to prayer. They're devoted to generosity and gladness. They had favor with God and man. Can you see it? Can you see this picture of community? Because God is present there, just like in the Garden of Eden and just like heaven that is to come. God is present there. And he is restoring relationships with his people. It's not like it will be in heaven because we still live amongst the cursed. But what he's doing in Acts 2, 42 to 47, is he's descending in the form of his spirit and he is rebuilding relationships and community with his people. And as he does that, people are listening to him as his word is being taught. And they're talking to him through prayer. And they're growing in their faith together as the church is formed. And community between human beings is being restored. Now human beings are living together as they should. They're fellowshipping together. They're eating together. They're worshipping together. They're praying together. They're sharing all of their possessions with one another as community is being restored. It existed in Eden so many years ago. It will exist in the future in extraordinary ways. But our job here as a church today is for us to bring it to life in this moment, in this time, through the Holy Spirit that is active in each one of us.
So I don't have a painting for you to to show you to illustrate the point. It is us in this room. We are the living and active illustration. And the curse of sin still plagues us. That's why we forgive one another as we have been forgiven. It's my prayer that the Lord will add to our number day by day those who are being saved. As we said at the beginning, I think there are so many people in our lives who are desperate to have what we have. There's people all around us who are just flat out lonely. And they would love to have a community of people that value forgiveness and grace and respect and kindness and love. So the question becomes, how can we share that? As we leave here now, how, what are we to do? How can I help more people know about it? Because the church is perfectly positioned to meet that need that exists in our society today. So my encouragement as you go is, I think what we need to do is be devoted to the same things that the people in Acts 2 were devoted to. So as you leave here today, I don't know how much time it will take. I don't know how your schedule works out. But here's what we need to agree to. Let's be devoted to the Word of God. That's the teaching of the apostles put on paper. Let's be devoted to the Word. Let's be devoted to prayer. Let's be devoted to one another in fellowship, eating together in in one another's homes. Let's be devoted to generosity and sharing what I have with you to meet the needs that you have. And let's be devoted to gladness and all of the things we see in Acts chapter 2. That's a big application, so let me narrow it down real, real small for you. Maybe just the first brushstroke of the painting of community that you can paint this week could simply be ask someone how they are doing. So you know who taught me that lesson this week? Elmo. Elmo's been teaching many of us in this room for many years. And our red little friend, Elmo, Take a moment to teach us this week. So the story is this. This week on X, formerly known as Twitter, Elmo posted and said, Elmo is just checking in. How is everybody doing? And so what happened this week that was newsworthy and noteworthy is that post exploded. And it got all kinds of news recognition. Why? Because people, the majority of posts read like this. I'm at my lowest. Thanks for asking. Elmo, I'm depressed and broke. Elmo, I'm suffering from existential dread over here. Elmo, get out of here. It isn't safe. So this post gets so much attention that people start having that reaction. They're like, oh, we can work with this. So organizations and celebrities, they start posting, and then this post just trends like crazy. And the President of the United States is, is uh, uh, tweeting to Elmo this week. Um, but the, eventually Elmo reposts and he says, Wow, Elmo is glad he asked. Elmo learned that it is important to ask a friend how they are doing. So I think it's a lesson we can learn from Elmo that perhaps the first brushstroke in any of our paintings this week of community could just be as simple as this. Ask someone how they're doing because the people around us statistically are lonely and you happen to be a part of a community that's mission is focused on helping lonely people feel connected and belong in the family of God. From Eden 
to heaven, from the beginning of Scripture to the end of Scripture, community has been centrally important to God. It's part of our spiritual DNA as children of God, being created in His image. From the beginning to the end to right now, the, the task that we have is to go out and be ambassadors for Jesus Christ and the community that we have here. The centerpiece through it all is Jesus Christ. We can't have peace with God and community with God, community with one another, if we don't have Jesus. And so Jesus is the centerpiece. The cross is the centerpiece of the room. The baptismal's back there as a centerpiece. The centerpiece of our service today is the testimonies that we heard that it was through trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as God, that changed people's lives.